Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the Finding a Job podcast. Today, we're going to reveal some of the practical job search tips and strategies you need to land a great first job. Joining us is Leslie Mittler, who is the co-host of the Finding a Job podcast and a career coach and the co-founder of Early Stage Careers, which is a service that helps college students bridge the gap between their education and their first job. And today, Leslie and I are going to wrap up our conversation about what you need to know to write a great first resume. Okay. Here's my conversation with Leslie Mittler, career coach and co-founder of Early Stage Careers. Leslie, happy Friday and welcome back to the last episode of Resume Week on the Finding a Job podcast. Thank you. So far this week, we've covered a lot of ground, everything from formatting your resume, the right structures, templates, how to write your resume bullets, and what you don't want to do that's going to get your resume flagged as inappropriate or you know not necessarily true. Let's go back and take a quick summary. Resumes are not static things. They're not set in stone. They change throughout your careers. We've given lots of guidelines. Are these all hard and fast rules or how should you think about your resume evolving over time? Well, they're not hard and fast rules because everybody has their own opinion about what makes the resume effective, which sort of brings me to an interesting observation A lot of times I will see a resume of somebody who's a college student and it feels like there are six different voices in the resume. And the reason that it seems that way is because people give their resume to anyone that is willing to read it, not necessarily somebody who's qualified to give professional advice on it. And everybody gives their opinion. And then it ends up being a resume that doesn't sound like it's that person's voice or one person's voice. So I think that when you do your resume, it's really important to try to keep it limited in terms of the number of people that you ask for advice and input, because every time you implement something, it changes the flow of the resume. I think consistency is very important, right? This is your story that you're telling to someone that you want to hire you for a job. And while it sounds sophisticated and intimidating, It's about relationships, right? You're trying to quickly articulate what experience you have to build a relationship with somebody who is looking for an employee. As we think about the purpose of a resume and crafting your story, your resume is going to change over time. Leslie, should you be writing a different resume for each job? What's the ways that you should update your resume? And and how do you make sure that you're keeping it fresh and relevant? Well, in general, you should be updating your resume at the end of each semester and at the end of your summer, because those are times when you'll be adding experiences and adding information. However, if something relevant happens, don't wait until the end of the semester or the end of the summer. If you got an award, if you finished some certifications, if there are some things that happen in the interim, you should update your resume and your LinkedIn profile 
at the time that it happens. So the other thing that you're going to be doing is your resume is probably going to be one page at this point when you update it. So now you have to look at, you know, what's the most relevant information? What's the stuff that I can now drop off of the resume because it's not as pertinent to where I am in my, in my education and my career as it once was. Those things can always still be on LinkedIn. So people can always see them, but you know, it's important to make sure that your experience is refreshed on your resume at least two to three times a year. And sorry, you asked a question about how to make sure that it's relevant to the job. So what I would do is there's a particular job that you're applying to is look at the job description, circle the key words in terms of qualifications and responsibilities of those roles. See if those key words appear in your resume because you actually can claim to have that knowledge. And if they don't, see if there's ways that you can you know, include some of those keywords or responsibilities in your resume so that the person who's reading it says, oh, this person has done many of the things that I'm looking for in someone I want to hire. So yes, the answer is yes, you're going to modify your resume for specific jobs. Now, you don't have to rewrite the resume. You're just going to simply look at what the job description is and making sure that you're highlighting the skills that they want if those are the skills that you have. You also mentioned LinkedIn. When you're building a resume, you might also want to have some sort of an online presence, whether it's LinkedIn or an online portfolio. Should you be publishing your resume publicly? Should you be using LinkedIn as your public resume? How does this blend in with some of the other ways that you're trying to articulate what your experience is? In my opinion, I don't encourage people to publish their resume. I encourage them to have a robust LinkedIn profile. There are many reasons for this, but one of them is that there are some companies that will search for candidates using LinkedIn as their search tool. So that would not pick up your resume that you have posted a link to on LinkedIn in that employer search. So that's one of the reasons. The other thing, you know, in terms of portfolios and websites, those are things that you can link to in your LinkedIn profile. I mean, you can definitely link to a website. Sometimes a portfolio can be iffy, but you can certainly refer to the fact that you have a portfolio in your summary and share the link to the portfolio so that people can view it. Yeah, Leslie, I think the biggest question is when you're crafting your resume, what are some of the resources that you can use that are appropriate to make sure that your resume is great? And what are some of the places that you shouldn't go and or shouldn't put too much stock into for feedback? When I personally am writing a resume, I fact check everything that I possibly can. So therefore, I don't take for granted that the company is ABC because that's what somebody told me that they worked at ABC. I will Google that company and see, is it ABC? Is it ABC Inc? Is it the ABC companies? So that people can easily, if they want to learn more about the company that you worked at, you have the accurate name. It shows you pay attention to detail and will be easy for them to link to that and learn more about that organization. Sometimes one of the other sort of nuanced things that will come up is that you put down the name of the company and the person who's reading your resume has no context for what that company does, what's their business, because the name of the company does not help you to identify what they did. And therefore, if they're reading about your roles, they can't put it in context of the kinds of organizations. So Sometimes I will write a resume when you put the job that you had, it would be like intern, comma, 
digital marketing firm or digital marketing intern. So if you worked at a company that's not a name company that people aren't going to recognize, give them some way of identifying the context of what that company does. I think that's a great point. And I think that at the end of the day with your resume, you are trying to describe your experience to somebody that is looking to hire. And you need to be very clear about what your experiences are. And this is your story. So it's not just telling what your experiences are, but who you are. And it needs to be communicated to that specific person that is looking to fill a role. And crafting that language, unless it's somebody that has industry experience, you know, your mom or your sister or even some of your classmates might not have the background to understand what is contextually relevant. So when you're getting feedback on your resume, try to give it to people that you trust, but also have some context for the type of job that you're applying for. Leslie, any last words on crafting your first resume? Well, I just want to reiterate something that we talked about a while ago in terms of the truthfulness of a resume, but it's not only that the facts are true, but when you talk about what you've done, please don't exaggerate what you've done. Because when I speak with people about their resumes and I'll see something that looks really impressive and I'll ask them to tell me more about that. And more often than not, I get this response that somebody told me it would look good if I put it on the resume, but don't put it on the resume if you can't own it and you can't talk about it. I think that's a great tip. As I said before, don't lie. All right. With that said, everybody, good luck drafting your resume. And that wraps up Resume Week on the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks to Leslie Mittler, co-founder and career coach at Early Stage Careers for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Leslie, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet at Early Stage Careers. That's the word early, STG, careers. Or you can visit her company's website, which is earlystagecareers.com. Just one link I want to tell you about in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to fajpod.com, which stands for findingajobpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes, the contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Finding a Job podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you. So we created fajpod.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your job search questions, which we'll answer live on our show. You can always reach out to us on social media. Our handle is fajpod on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a regular stream of job search tips in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day for the rest of the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to keep networking and stay positive. <laughs>